Welcome to season three of The Short Score, the Team Roping Journal's weekly news update show, where you can find the latest on the sports leaders from the jackpot world of the USTRC and the World Series of Team Roping to the pro rodeo ranks. I'm Chelsea Schaefer. And I'm Caitlin Gustav. And we'll be your hosts. On this Giving Tuesday, I wanted to bring my friend, Pastor Jordan Weaver, onto the show to talk about the dire need food banks are facing and how team ropers are uniquely positioned to help as 2020 comes to a close. You've heard Jordan and I talk about the 1017 Project on the show before, but now they've expanded to Alvarado, Texas, and they're bringing more meat to those facing food insecurity than ever before. This conversation is so near and dear to my heart, and the sentiments and perspective Jordan shares are just the hope I needed today and as 2020 uh, wraps up in this chaotic time. If you only ever listen to one episode of The Score, I hope this is it. Have a great day, guys. Listen to this episode. Let us know your thoughts. And if you need more information, visit the1017project.com. This episode of The Short Score is brought to you by ADM Animal Nutrition and their Power Glow line of feed. Learn more at the commercial break. How are you? How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I had this big elaborate plan, Chelsea, that I was going to get to. I'm going to Rancho today. Uh-huh. I was going to get there. It's going to get all set up. It's going to be all quiet. I wouldn't be distracted. And I'm just pulling out of my freaking driveway. So, <laughs> no worries. Gonna, That's really okay. driving. Are you going to watch the open? Are you going to rope? What are you fixing to I'm do? I'm roping. I'm roping today, but not in the open. Gotcha. I am. Um, yeah, Caitlin just, because Caitlin's in Wickenburg for the winter, so she was just oh, cool. pulling into Rancho Rio, and I was just on the phone with her. Yeah, the, I guess all the open guys were circling about, because I was hearing lots of things in the background. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a wild one. There's, I, I, uh, We've got our event happen. I say our event. That team open happened at our place now. It's in Alvarado, Texas. Mm-hmm. And they were panicking because they thought everybody was going to be gone. And then they canceled the World Series, so they thought everybody's going to stay in Texas. But this week, I've been here for four winters. I've never seen it this busy. It's like everybody took their Vegas money and just jackpotted this week out here on it. Like crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've never seen it like this. It's it's wild. I, I did an interview with Bobby Joe Hill last week, and he said – that he thinks all the team ropers are going to not spend that Vegas money on Christmas presents, and they're going to spend it entering, and so far, so good on that prediction. Yep, we're there, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> a small percentage is going to have a great Christmas because everybody's here. Yep, it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad for it. This Man, it, it's crazy. We were, my husband and I took our daughter last night to see some Christmas lights, and we thought, oh, maybe we'll just do some Christmas shopping. And we were at Santerra in Loveland, which is a big shopping complex. But by 6 o'clock, all the stores were closed. And we were like, wow, how sad. We are so insulated because we're in the Western community, which it seems like even though things are getting canceled, obviously like the World Series finale, um, NRS, all the big Western retailers report great sales. Things are going wonderfully in the Western industry. But, like, holy cow, this is like the weekend – of Black Friday and all the stores were closed by six because there's nobody out shopping because times are so freaking God, hard right now. And you said it, you said it, you're so insulated. 
I mean, any, it, I, I, I have the opinion that poverty is not something you notice. It has to be looked for. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't look for it, you don't realize how just devastating it is for people right now. Because like you said, I'm in the sunshine. I'm in Arizona. I'm going to a jackpot today. It would be so easy to feel disconnected from it. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's why I called you today because I had this other, I mean, aside from my shopping experience yesterday, I had an eye-opening experience and I say eye-opening for me, but I mean, you and I have, we, when this pandemic first hit, we did a story about how the need was exploding and how you, how much you were working on it. We've done so much with the 1017 project. I volunteer at my local food bank, but on Sunday or excuse me, Saturday night, I had posted that I was cleaning out my deep freeze and I had like some of these kind of not great cuts of meat, like shank and beef short ribs, but these are from Corianne Steers. So this is not like a big, right, it is what it is. It is what it is, you know? And I had a whole deep freeze full and I posted on the local community groups, Hey, can anybody use this meat? And but when I woke up Sunday morning, I had over 200 messages of people like begging, quite literally begging to come to my house and pick up this meat. And as much as I have been trying to make myself aware and, and, and pay attention to what you guys are doing at the 1017 project, that was so eye opening for me. Like, holy cow. So can you tell me what you're experiencing right now as far as the, the food insecurity and what the demand is? Um, so the, the food bank numbers that we have is that they are up 50% in the month over what they were over like the quarter, this quarter last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I, again, full transparency, there's so much of stuff I just didn't know. I had no idea. I, mean, I think we've talked about this before. This was not something that I studied and then we decided we were going to go try to accomplish something. It was like we jumped out of the airplane and assumed we could build a parachute. And that's kind of how we approached it in the beginning. But we hear about food banks giving out millions and millions and millions of pounds of food. And you go, okay, so then that's good. Like people are fine. We're giving out millions of pounds of food. But what you don't see is if there's not a protein element to that, then those meals are not what those people need. Yeah. But if you will put protein into that diet, then those you know millions and millions and millions of pounds of, ham- of uh, food with just a few thousand pounds of hamburger become an actual balanced enough diet. Can I say it that way? Like I'm not mm-hmm. saying that somebody's shopping at Whole Foods, but when you put protein in a diet, it becomes a sustainable food source. Yeah. So you go, okay, well then how much protein do you guys have? And it is, Chelsea, it is like, I hate to throw out the word astonishing, but it is, it is mind-numbing how many food banks will say, oh, we don't have any protein. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to, we're just trying to get through what we're doing right now. And so, um, you know, the, the tens of thousands of pounds, I can't even believe I'm saying those numbers, the hundreds of thousands of pounds that we've given away in hamburger, each quarter pound of hamburger equates to a meal mm-hmm. because it, it, it causes the entire food bank to become usable. The noodles, the sauces, the vegetables, the canned foods, you know, those kinds of things that if you'll put a quarter pound of hamburger in that, then it becomes a sustainable diet. And so I've never, I've never been in a position, and maybe this isn't what you're asking, but I've never been in a position before where I almost feel like obligated to ask people to help because we're up to 20 steers completely out of our own big steers that we've been raising. That was like a sustainable business model Mm -hmm. Uh, for every, for every dollar 
that's coming into the 1017 project, we were turning that into like $5 worth of donations. I don't know who would want to be a part of something like that. Right. Now, now we're out of steers. And so we're buying big steers. Uh, Big steers are cheap. The butcher process is expensive. But we're now buying steers, keeping them just long enough to kind of get through the quarantine period that you're supposed to have one. And they're going straight into the the food banks now. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I guess, I mean, that's not that's not really the business model to be honest, but it's kind of like, man, the need is there. How can we not do whatever is possible to try to hit the, to do what we can do, I guess. Yeah. And it feels like to me, ropers are in this unique position to help right now. Like we have big old steers that the feedlots aren't super interested in. How can ropers specifically get involved with the 1017 project right now? Um, you know, that's a, that's a funny time in 2020 when you've got an oversupply and an over demand, because like you said, everybody's got big old open steers. So the supply is there. Like you said, the food banks are just desperate and you can't process them. There's like a go between. And so what Mm -hmm. we really would, what we would, what we're trying to accomplish would be, um, two things i guess it'd be two things people can donate a rope and steer and get more value out of that steer than if they try to take it to a sale barn because you take it to a sale barn like you said because butcher appointments are so hard to come by you're not getting those backyard buyers that they used to get back in the day Mm -hmm. we're gonna take a break from this absolutely eye-opening conversation to learn more about our sponsors at adm animal nutrition this episode is brought to you by power glow adm's ultra premium horse feed of champions clay smith and wesley thorpe PowerGlow contains stabilized rice bran, which is considered the best source of beneficial dietary fat for horses. PowerGlow is a key component of the Forage First program. Forage First programs combine good quality forage and ultra-premium feeds to produce balanced total rations. With this combination of feeds, horses can be healthy and perform at their best. Learn more at www.admequine.com. Now back to the show. So by donating cattle, and, and, and I don't mean it's kind of a, it's kind of a logistics thing because if somebody donates one steer and it's 250 miles away from one of our bases, by the time we go get it and bring it back, we've been better to buy one. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to get involved, it doesn't just mean donating a steer. It also means delivering it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing is, is butcher prices or uh, the cost of getting the process. We're having to go through meat packers now because of the demand. Um, and it's like, I think it's, I think it's averaging like $2 and 20 cents a pound to get it processed between the kill fee and the cut and the wrap and things like that. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wanted to, to say, Hey, I want to pay for the cut and wrap for, you know, a hundred pounds or 200 pounds or 500 pounds that goes in. I think that's, as people are finding this out, Chelsea, they're getting more involved. That's what's been so cool is as people find out this information, just like you said the other day, you offer food and all of a sudden you realize how big the need is. It kind of triggers you in the gear. Mm-hmm. People are having that experience. You go, wait a minute. If I pay for a hundred pounds worth of cut and wrap on a steer, that is four hundred meals. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there's an actual scale that you can measure it by now. And so, um, do you do you know? I'm probably ruining the podcast because this is all just like <laughs> numbers and info. It's kind of boring, but no, it's great. Um, are you are you familiar with what we've done in Alvarado since we talked last? No, I I don't. I don't know anything about that. So, did you were you at the American semifinals last year for the team open? No, Caitlin was. Mm-mm. Okay, 
So there's a facility that my dad's church bought back in the day. It's called, it used to be the Diamond W, and they call it Shepherd Valley. Um, but the 1017 Project took over that arena this year. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is we're putting on events to help because the we kind of saturated the Central Oregon market. I mean, we're at 10 head a month. That's taking care of our area there. Mm-hmm. And so by going to Alvarado, and I hopefully this buys me some goodwill because we had some people frustrated with us about stall prices this week. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> But uh, by by taking over the facility there in Alvarado, what we're hoping to accomplish there is a place to store cattle, uh, a place to keep the steers before they go into a butcher. It's closer to the butcher that we can get booking appointments with. Mm-hmm. And then on the, the back end, what we eventually intend to do is take the team roping idea that we had in Oregon and put that into practice in Alvarado just so that we're not kind of – it's kind of hard to get more than 10 appointments a month. Yeah. And, so Oregon. people in Texas then can also get involved with the 1017 project more easily than they could have prior. There you go. And that's yeah. the other thing. We would get a lot of phone calls of people like, hey, I, I would do something like that. I've got 10 old rope steers and they're worth, you know, 50 cents a pound and that'd be great. But really, if I knew they were going to go to a good cause, because they can't go get a butcher appointment now. Mm-hmm. You know, your average guy off the street can't just call and get something butchered in this area. They're backed up. Uh, I talked to you later the other day, Chelsea. This is, this is where I see not from a panic standpoint or fear standpoint, but this is where I see this going like, oh, this is not going to get better soon. You go to the butcher and you go, okay, can I get this steer butchered? And they go, well, what time in 2022 would you like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're booked. They're yeah. booked all the way out. And so um, by processing those steers through the 1017 project there in North Texas, we can go up in numbers. In fact, this packing plant is so big, they come almost laugh at us for only processing 15 a month. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, we got to clean the floor after each order. And like, we like, appreciate what you're <laughs> doing, but like, we're definitely not their best cattle. They, they kill like a thousand a week. You know, yeah. Something like that. And then we bring in like our little 15 team. <laughs> and, and we're so proud. Like we brought up 15 steers that weighed 700 pounds. We're like, Hey, and they're like, why are they so little? <laughs> but but we have the opportunity. I guess what I'm saying is we have the opportunity to grow there. And there's a lot of team open cattle right there in North Texas that are just value-wise to sell are just not very good right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, the need. There's 6.6 million people in the Metroplex, whereas in Central Oregon, we've got about 200,000 in all of Central Oregon. Mm-hmm. And so we – the last you know six years it feels like we've been sort of creating a model that could be replicated and so adding the texas piece now has been sort of like you know like you know like on halloween when you go trick-or-treating and they give you like a little smaller version of a candy bar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i feel like that's what we got to build in central oregon and mm-hmm. it's doing exactly what we hope now and so we've gone to texas and instead of you know, hey, can we get one butcher appointment or two butcher appointments? They're coming back to us going, man, this would really work better if we could get 50 or 60, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. So the potential to grow is is there. Yeah, absolutely. And people can write off these tax. These are these are absolutely it's a federal 501c3 that the 1017 project has and so if they'll go to the website it's 1017project.com it's got all the info there but no this is all tax deductible and so if somebody goes well i don't really have a rope and sear or you know maybe i don't this is not something that's a culture that they're hands-on involved in they can still they can still give directly towards the cause because like right now the only thing stopping us from putting 100 ahead head a month into a food bank is literally just the resources to do it. Mm-hmm. I can find the steers. I mean, you know, you're in this business. There, there are a million old open steers in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, and, and like I said, I, I, I don't really talk about giving a whole lot. Like I just assume if we do a good job with our business, the people will catch on. And, mm-hmm. um, but man, it, it's one of those times where it's like, how big could we get? How much could we accomplish? How much could we give away? And it's just a matter of people taking that and, and partnering with the, with the concept. Yeah. And, and something that I, I'm hoping you can maybe dispel the myth or give me your, I don't want, I don't know, biblical perspective or pastorally perspective on this, is people were asking me yesterday, are these people actually in need or are they just looking for a handout? When, when I was talking about people calling me by the hundreds, like, and, and I said, my perspective was, that's not for me to judge. I mean, where, how, that's, it's so different in this community. Like, where do you come from on that? So uh, from the church perspective, we started something new this year. We've got a guy that, um, actually does defense contracts overseas. Like he's kind of a secretive sort of a guy. And he said, Hey, why don't we start a firewood pit? we're all shut down in Oregon anyway, instead of saying like, everybody stop, why don't we say everybody go? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you've seen any of my social media stuff this week, but the men were like, heck yeah. And so they, I mean, they've been cutting down rounds and splitting them and our firewood pit that we're going to deliver to people who need firewood is so <laughs> full. They're going to have to build another one. <laughs> and, and my, my point with that, I guess is the same as with the, the food banks. That's, a, that's actually specifically, that's the reason that we partner with the food banks is because they have a relationship with these people. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I was just setting up a storefront and saying, Hey, come get it. I think you're kind of asking for a little bit of that. Yeah. Uh, but by going through the food banks, what you're doing is you're letting them have a relationship with the people who need it. Mm-hmm. But here's, here's my point. If I, if I love somebody that's crooked, I can live with that. If I withhold something from somebody who needs something when I could have done something, that that would keep me up at night. Absolutely. Yeah. If I have to risk one or the other, I don't care if I get tricked. Mm-hmm. If somebody if somebody comes and gets firewood and they sell it, I don't pretend to be God in anybody's life. That's not for me to decide. That's not for me to figure out. I mean, if it's obvious, I, I don't mind, I guess, someone asking or whatever, but but man, do you realize do you realize how much of your life could be spent trying to decide who all's trying to screw you over? Exactly. I mean, it's not long until it turns into the twenty twenty political party. Yep. Which I want no part of. Yep. I mean, I've got I've got I'm not a I'm not even a smart person. I can't I can't dedicate more bandwidth to uh, kind of watching what everybody does or being suspicious of everybody. You know. Absolutely, yeah. That's... And you want to you want you know my opinion mm-hmm. for anybody that might might be listening. <laughs> I think a lot of times, and I'm not accusing anybody specifically because I don't even know your friends that asked you. <laughs> but I think a lot of times when people are like, "Well, how do you know they're not just trash?" What they're doing is they're leaning into a bias that says, "I didn't want to give something anyway," mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's a justification for how to not get involved. And so, uh, if somebody genuinely has a heart to like, "Hey, I I think that this is a time where we could." maybe contribute in a way that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. I don't think that whatever percentage it is of people that aren't taking it, honestly, I don't think that's reason enough not to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That really resonates. Absolutely. So I've got a, I've got a, I've got a dream in my mind. Like, I, I'm limited. I'm limited in, in my life right now, but in my, in my mind, I see someday like a farm an alfalfa farm and feedlots and thousands of cattle and, Rope and steers backed up to the butcher by the truckload. Like I want to see semi trucks of rope and steers going into food banks. And I mean, so in my mind, I've got so many things I want to accomplish moving forward 
if the idea that somebody might be skimming is just like, I guess, I guess, I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. my goal is how do I give, how do I give a hundred steers away a month? Mm-hmm. How could I, how could I back a semi truck? Like, how could I create a feedlot in such a way that it's sustainable and put on the best jackpots so that people want to come and want to support the business model? Um, and I, I think, I think sometimes in my mind, if I get too distracted by kind of trying to be everybody's mommy, mm-hmm. then it takes away from the things that I feel like I can do. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Absolutely. Because what I mean, Chelsea, what would you say if you found out somebody took that meat and they really didn't need it? What would you say anyway? What are you going to give Yeah, exactly. You're going to give them detention? Like, yeah. you have no enforcement power anyway, so why worry about that? Yeah, that's how I felt. You know, I, I'm, I'm a... I I keep socks in my car to give to people on the side of the road and and people have said to me before, you know, why why are you, why do you do that? They just do that for a living and it's I'm what's it to me? It's a sock and they might need socks. I I, I won't I I'm not concerned with with why they're out there or or what they're doing. I I can't worry about that. I would rather be a fool for for giving some socks or giving some change than to not give to somebody who, who needed it. You know what? You know, I had a guy tell me one time and, and I try to let things go, but I, I, I'm battling on my pettiness at the moment, but here, I'll tell you. Um, I had a guy tell me, he's like, well, those people, they, that's what keeps them from going and getting jobs. If they know they're going to have food, that's what keeps them from going and getting jobs. And I literally to his face, I said, listen, that might be true, but what about their kids? Exactly. Pick those kids, pick those parents. And, and like, that was just such a frustration to me of like, well, I'm not going to help them because that's what keeps them from helping themselves. Like maybe, maybe so. But then what am I going to do? You mm-hmm. know, I mean, the, the, the steer market's in the tank right now. Everybody's trying to make a living. Everybody's trying to get by. And these kids that have absolutely nothing but garbage to eat for food. If this helps that, I'm not really getting tricked. I mean, I'm not getting, you're not getting tricked. We give yeah. socks, but you're not getting fooled by anybody. You're going into it knowing I might be giving socks to somebody who doesn't need them. So what? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's where I'm at too. That I, I, um, I, I love doing podcasts with you because I feel like we always are on the same page with the, with the kids. That's always my argument in, in political discussions or in, in ideological discussions of any sort. It's like, but what about the kids? The kids did not choose this. Like, you can say whatever you want about the parents, but what about the children? Ooh, was... I got another one. I got another one, too, is I have to decide what is my true north on my compass. Do I want my true north on my life compass to be love or fear? Because yes. if it's love, then I can say, hey, what if you love somebody that's a crook? Yes. I can live with that. But fear of somebody's going to get the best of me. Somebody, you know, some of the most miserable people that I know in my life are super wealthy and they're always afraid somebody's going to take advantage of them. And my point would be, I'd rather just be poor. Yes. Like if you're going to live, if your compass north is going to be fear of everything, fear of getting taken advantage of, fear of this, fear of that, fear of that, that's worse than being just broke and loving life day by day. Yes, absolutely. I, you are my people, Jordan. <laughs> this, <laughs> you are my, you are my people, and that is that is abs. I couldn't agree more with that sentiment. That is uh, something that I think my friends get sick of <laughs> hearing me say. <laughs> well, um, and I'm not like I'm not even. What's crazy is I'm not like a real lovable person. Like I, don't, I wouldn't think of myself as being like a real cuddly personality. I'm mm-hmm. not really a nurturer, but. Uh, I'm a dad, you know, I'm like, I've got a little boy and a little girl and I 
you know, you obviously parent them completely different. You know, I make my boy work all the time and I just give my daughter whatever she wants. But, um, you know, like part of being a dad is being a provider and being tough enough to do the difficult things and, you know, saying yes to hard things. And so I would, you can be a provider out of a sense of love. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be afraid of life. You don't have to be afraid that you're going to have to do it all. And so it's not, it's not necessarily like, cause if people listen to this podcast and they know me personally, they're going to be like, man, I just don't get that vibe from it at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I, I get it. I get it. Cause I'm not, I'm not what you, I, I don't think, I don't think of myself and I don't think, I guess what little I know of you, I don't think of you as being this big cuddly, uh, nurturing type personality, but the world needs people that mm-hmm. are doers and that are providers to take that kind of stuff seriously. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, my, it is also a joke that I'm not a hugger by any stretch of the imagination. I don't, I don't like hugs, but. Oh, like I don't, I don't like being touched. I don't like, I don't like Hallmark movies. You know, I'm not, I'm not maybe what I would have thought the world needed as far as like a cattle program, but it's something we could do. And so, I don't know, I guess, I guess, and that's kind of where I'm at is I'm like, you know, I've carried a lot of this. And when I say I, I mean, Mm-hmm. I, Shiloh Ranch, the 1017 Project, we've carried so much of this on our shoulders because we don't want to go and ask for help. We don't want to go ask people for something and tell them what we're going to do. Like, we want to be able to tell people what we have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where we're at 130,000 pounds of hamburger now, I feel like it's a good time for people who go, hey, I don't want to, I don't want to head up a charity. Mm-hmm. Great. This is for you. This is roping cattle. Yeah. And it is, it is, it is a great opportunity for somebody who's like, man, I don't want to be responsible for the for the whole thing. Like, no, that's what we do. Like we are, we've got strong shoulders. We can carry the bulk of it. But if somebody is wanting something to do, but is looking at the world, exactly, exactly what I said, like the guys about the fire pit, they're going, well, we could shut down and do nothing or we could do something. Mm-hmm. I know people would rather do something than nothing. I just know that. I know that about our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe, maybe their whole lives, people have thought of themselves as not really being a, like a contributor to things like this. And I think that's changing. I think people are going, well, I can't do nothing. I can't just sit here and do nothing. I can't just sit here and log down and twiddle my thumbs till a politician says I can enter mm-hmm. back into life again. Hey, everybody. I want to take a break in this episode to tell you a little bit more about food insecurity. So I'm going to read off some facts. I'm going to have these on the teamrappingjournal.com so you can check them out. If you want to talk to any, talk to your kids about food insecurity, if you want to talk to your friends, here's some information. According to the USDA's latest household food insecurity in the United States report, more than 35 million people in the United States struggled with hunger in 2019. Many households that experience food insecurity do not qualify for the federal nutrition programs and need to rely on their local food banks and other hunger relief organizations for support. To date, the 1017 Project has donated over 130 thousand pounds of meat to food banks, shelters, and pantries in Oregon, Arizona, and Texas. So far in 2020, they have donated over 42,000 pounds from 128 head of cattle. 19 head of the, were donated by local ranchers. That's 521,128 meals that the 1017 Project has donated since 2014. The 1017 Project has over 50 food banks and pantries in rotation to receive beef each month. 
and it's a unique business model. They have revenue producing cattle and food banks pay for their own butcher fees. So arena management is a new revenue generator to support the mission. Many nonprofits rely solely on donations for everything, but the 1017 project has stepped away from that old model toward a sustainable giving model. The 1017 Project's biggest challenge since COVID is finding more butcher appointments to keep up with skyrocketing food bank requests. They've already scheduled their appointments a year in advance. Since COVID began, the 1017 Project has increased food bank donations by 200%. All right, if you want more information, visit the1017project.com. They're in Powell Butte, Oregon, but now they've expanded to Arizona and Alvarado, Texas. Everybody, Enjoy the rest of the episode. You know, there's there's life that can be lived right now, you know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think I think you are providing the perfect outlet for ropers right now, and there's so much that people can do. So tell me again what your website is, and that there's a donate button on your website, correct? There is. It's the 1017project.com. Mm-hmm. Any, like, Numbers or letters, you can write it down, however, but the 1017project.com, if, when is this going to, do you know when this is going to get posted? A Tuesday morning, okay. Giving Tuesday. You are my Giving Tuesday podcast. Well, let me, let me just say this then, Chelsea, while I'm on my little <laughs> sales pitch voice. Uh, you can go to the 1017arena.com and book stalls for the week in Vegas. The two weeks, it's, uh, we're mm-hmm. selling week-long blocks for $300 a stall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're, we got a couple plugins left. But that's what that is for. That is exactly when people show up to the All-Star Team Open, put on by All-Star Team Opens this week, mm-hmm. and they're tempted to want to yell and scream and go, why are you only renting stalls for one-week blocks? Come listen to the podcast. That's why. We're Perfect. doing it because we've got something we're trying to do. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. And if somebody has a rope and cattle, you said, where are the most convenient bases? People in Central Oregon can donate roping steers to you. People around if Texas. You, I will say this. If you're in the Northwest and you have broken cattle, you already probably know where we are. Mm-hmm. But if you're in Texas, Alvarado, Texas is by Fort Worth. I mean, we could come get a reasonable number of steers. and We could probably do a pickup if there was, you know, like a larger number. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a guy. I won't, say, I won't say names, but I was talking to a guy the other day. He's got 600 steers that have already taken the horns off of the way 800 pounds and he's just trying to figure out what to do with them you know those are the mm-hmm. those are the kind of big breakthroughs that i'm talking about like let's donate a hundred of them let's mm-hmm. don't but it, it's so anywhere near fort worth we can take them i mean if you want to drop them off there in alvarado it's at the it used to be shepherd valley it's the 1017 arena now um but we've got room kick them out we'll figure out a place to go with them but um yeah live cattle but probably honestly the cut and wrap cost is going to be a big part of that too. Sure. Some of these food banks, a lot actually, to be to be honest, we've been really fortunate that some of these food banks have gotten really creative on how to pay for some of their own cut and wrap. And so mm-hmm. it's been a good partnership with them where we're providing the steers at a lower price point. Um, there's just not, there's just not a way that someone couldn't contribute meaningfully to what we're doing. Absolutely. That's wonderful, Jordan. Thank you so much for your time this morning. This conversation meant a lot to me every time we talk, it does. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate you guys being just such a great advocate for us. It's been it's been awesome. And somebody, let's do this. Let's have a podcast where we don't have to talk about giving because I don't want to be the guy that, like, if somebody hears the name Jordan Weaver, they're like, oh, great. Here comes Red Cross. We're going to have to do something. So. Yes. Uh, we'll have a podcast where we talk about basketball or something. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. I'm game. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs>
Thank you all. If you made it this far into the episode, thank you, thank you, thank you. That means that you are armed with the information to make a difference in your community. And I'm so grateful that you all listened and gave this show a chance. Please visit 1017project.com. Check them out. Let us know if you if you have any stories of helping with food banks or any stories of ropers giving back. We want to know about it. We love writing about the good things that you all do in your communities. Um, it's really important to us. It's really important to everybody who's involved in the Team Roping Journal that ropers are giving back because we are so blessed to live the lives that we are. So everybody have a great day. We look forward to talking to you from the National Finals Rodeo in Arlington, Texas later this week.